Welcome to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. I'm your host, Clay, and today we are going to take a look at an article that was actually linked within another article. So I had something completely different planned, and as I was reading through it again, just to brush up on kind of what I wanted to talk about, you know how you read an article online and some of the words you know, are different colors, which means you can click on them. So I saw something called paycheck to paycheck, and I thought, oh, what is this all about? So I clicked on it, and shame on me, I take full responsibility for it. I have no idea how I ever missed this headline as it went through uh, its news cycle, because it's from May 20th, so it's not terribly old, uh, but still, it's a few months old, and I just never saw it. I don't know how, so again, shame on me. I will. Uh, I need to try better in the future. But the name of the title or the name of the article is titled "Millions of Americans Are Just One Paycheck Away from," and then in quotes, "financial disaster." So I thought, "Huh." I'm going to keep on reading. So I kept on reading, and then I thought, "Huh." I think I'm going to have to push back today's article for next week, and I'm going to talk about this one right now because there is a natural segue in the next week's article uh, from this, but uh, I figure why not just cover them both over the next couple of weeks. I was thinking about maybe putting them together, but that, that'd be like an hour podcast and I don't, um, I try to keep this as you know, for you longer time listeners, right around 30 minutes at most. Sometimes I'll go over a little bit, but going over in an hour, that's just a, a bit too much from what you know. I'm trying to build the show around in terms of you know these article ones. Now, if it's a, if I have a guest, and yeah, then those ones can go a couple hours with the long form format. Uh, but for these ones, want to keep it short. But that's kind of the little background story of this. Was di- didn't even plan on it, and I apparently was slacking off in regards to you know monitoring the headlines. Uh, but let's get into this. And I, I, my question to you going in: Where do you stand within all of this? Are, are you prepared? Uh, and if, if you're saying, well, no, Clay, I'm, I'm not very prepared, that's okay. Actually, that is the first step in getting prepared. How so? Well, you're admitting that you're not prepared. So as soon as you admit that you're not prepared, guess what happens? Now you need, now your brain, now the voices in your head start to say, okay, well, how can you get prepared? What should you be doing to get prepared? Are there any changes that can be made? And it's a really amazing process how as soon as you admit something to yourself, things begin to change and things begin to work in the way that you want it to work. I mean, if you want to sit there and just be in denial about it, well, guess what? Nothing's ever going to change. But if you admit to it, again, there's nothing wrong. If you, at the end of this, you say, yeah, wow, I'm not prepared or wow, I got work to do. I'm not judging you. I actually, well, I am judging you, but I'm judging you in a, wow, I really respect you. That's that's great. Well done. Good self-awareness. Way to put the ego aside and be able to admit that you're not prepared. And on the flip side, though, if you're like, nope, nope, and it's all denial, then yeah, sorry, I, I just don't, I find it very hard to find pity for those that want to just live in denial and don't want to just put put the ego aside and say, yeah, you know what, I have some work to do because we all we all have work to do. There's, there's no doubt about that. So as I said, name of the article, millions of Americans are just one paycheck away from financial disaster. So picking up with the article, Missing more than one paycheck is a one-way ticket to financial hardship for nearly half of the country's workforce. That's very scary. A new study from the NORC at the University of Chicago, an independent social research institution, found that 51% of working adults in the United States would need to access savings to cover necessities if they missed more than one paycheck. 
I should note this is from Market Watch article. Now that first part, uh, I mean, if 51% would need to access savings, you do have to give credit where credit's due. That's good that those people have savings. I'm glad that it didn't read something like this, found that 51% of them working adults in the United States would need to use a credit card to cover necessities if they missed more than one paycheck. So I mean, that's actually encouraging in and of itself is at, at least people have savings. Some of these statistics and articles suggest that they don't even have savings. Uh, but yeah, that's still not necessarily, a, I mean, my point is it could be worse. Uh, at least they're going into money that they still do have, at least their savings in place. But yes, I do, uh, I, I would argue, I would encourage you that there should be some sort of buffer where if you miss, I mean, one paycheck, if you miss a paycheck, just one, in a very literal sense, if you miss one paycheck, yeah, you should have some sort of buffer where that protects you from your savings, especially if it's savings that's, let's say, in a, in a retirement fund, such as an IRA. And I, I say that because any of those uh, you know tax-friendly accounts that you have, if you need to access those and pull money out, they hit you with fees and I mean, they, they, they punch you in the face with a sledgehammer if you have to access any of those. So I'm, hopefully savings is just some sort of cash account savings that they have and not from retirement. Because retirement savings, yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's really rough. That if you missed one paycheck, now all of a sudden you're dipping into retirement. Uh, but if you're just having savings from let's say a, a rainy day, kind of an unknown type fund, you know, not ideal, but still much better than having to, you know, immediately go and grab the credit card. So picking back up here, certain communities were more prone to economic hardship in the event of missing a paycheck. I'm not going to, I'm skipping over that. That's straight up just all the identity, uh, politics, identity, just people. Just why, why, I can't stand when people have to break everything down. You know what? It, that has nothing to do with anything. And, um, you know, it is what it is, but when you sit there and say, well, this group and then that group, I mean, to me, there's one group that there's this thing called the human race and, and it is what it is. I mean, as a business owner myself, uh, I guess now if you're not even a human, if you're like some sort of alien with 18 arms and all this sort of stuff. And, but if I think you can get the job done and you, I think you're, that you're uh, going to show up to work on time. And I think that you're going to, you know, not be like hilarious, but at least treat everybody else around you decently, you know, you have respect for people around you, then I'm going to hire you. I don't care what group you're in, I, or, you know, quote unquote group you're in. Hey, you can get the job done. You're going to show up on time. You're going to listen. You're going to be, uh, again, not even pleasant, not even like you have to be, oh, wow, they're the best person to hang on ever, but just be decent, be respectable to the people around you. And that's good. So I'm skipping over all that stuff. So the findings though of everything were based on a survey of more than a thousand adults. The researcher interviewed a nationally representative panel designed to be indicative of the US population. The survey provides a sobering look at America's precarious finances, even as the economy is improving. Jobs are more plentiful and the stock market has, despite this week's volatility, generally continued its upward trajectory this year. Prosperity Now, a Washington, D.C.-based think tank focused on expanding economic opportunity for low-income Americans, said 40% of U.S. households lack a basic level of savings. These, quote-unquote, liquid asset-poor households don't even have enough savings to live at the poverty level for three months if their income was interrupted. The data is even worse for people of color. There we go again. With more than half of households 
uh, 57% bean. So, um, didn't really mean to read that part because I, I mean, everybody, there's, there's so many jobs out there right now and it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, whatever your, whatever anything is just, that, that just doesn't have anything to do. And this whole breaking things down is just a poor premise to begin with as if some sort of group is, that could be a whole other podcast. So I'm, I'll just skip over that. Uh, if you would like a podcast on my deeper thoughts and all that, let me know. But like my general framework thought is, there's one group out there, it's called the human race. And as, as part of the human race, if you were able to show up on time to a job, do your job, listen to instructions, and again, not be pleasant, not be like the most charismatic person, but just be respectable to be around, well then here you, then there you go. That's all you need. That's you know the opportunity uh, that exists. Now millions of, now this is just a headline here, millions of Americans don't have savings to fall back on. A separate survey from Home Repair Service, HomeServe USA found that almost one in five Americans, so 19%, reported having no money set aside for dealing with the cost of an unexpected emergency. Now in this case, I mean 20%, that's really bad. Again, if you have five people standing there and, and, and if you know that one of them's gonna raise your hand and say, yeah, I don't have anything set aside. Well, uh, that needs to change. And well, how do I change that? Well, you gotta get a game plan in place and you may have to make some you know, adjustments, but that is totally unacceptable. So if that is you listening, or if you're like, oh, yeah, I'm on the brink of being one of those 20%, I hope that goes without saying, you're, you're, yeah, that's definitely extremely, extremely risky spot to be in. And the good news is, is that there, there's plenty of ways, there's plenty of side hustles, there's plenty of, you know, avenues that you can take to get yourself out of that position. But yeah, you need to acknowledge to yourself first that if you have no savings, and don't fall with the, well, I mean, I just can't get ahead, woe is me, no. Change your mindset. Flip that around to you, how can I get the savings? You would be, it's amazing how if you ask the question just how can I get some savings instead of, well, I don't have any savings because of, and then you start casting blame all around you, just say, how do I get savings? and you're, you, you are going to force your brain to start to think about solutions, start to think about ways that you can actually protect yourself and start to build up a savings account. So asking the question how, instead of trying to justify why you don't have a savings, there's big time power in that. So picking back up here, uh, let's see, so we have 20% have no money set aside for dealing with the cost of an unexpected emergency. The report said that 31% of Americans don't have at least $500 set aside to cover unexpected expense. Now that's getting, uh, I think those stats have improved at least according to this survey. I've seen some out there that uh, are way worse than that. Uh, but again, yeah, if you don't have 500, is, I would say is a good initial goal. I mean, if you could get up to 1500, that is kind of uh, you know what I would, uh, you know, uh, what I would present as a, as a good amount, but you know, 500, I mean, if, if you don't even have 500, yeah, that's, cause think about it, 20%, if you have nothing, that's not exactly a high bar to cross as far as that survey is concerned. So if you have $1, well, then you are not part of that 19%. But I mean, we can all agree one, the difference between $1 and zero is, well, not much at all. So just keep that in mind as far as these statistics are concerned. 
At the end of at the other end of the spectrum, over a quarter of Americans, 26%, said they had $8,000 or more set aside for unexpected emergency expenses. It added, so that's actually quite encouraging. That people, uh, it's not like it's a hopeless situation where nobody knows how to save and nobody knows, uh, you know, it's just not possible. So if anything, I would use that as motivation that it is actually possible. So you're thinking, well, I, you just can't get ahead. It's impossible. It's, and you're throwing out all these you can'ts and you won'ts and uh, it, it, you know, it's rigged against you and, and all this. Well, then how did those people, let's assume that the system is rigged against you. Let's assume that uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's just so difficult out there. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you those. Let's just assume that's the case. Now, I, I would argue the opposite, but in this situation, I will grant you those, that the system is rigged against you. You know, it's really hard to get ahead in life. And it's just, you know, oh man, if you're low down in society or if you're just the middle or whatever, you just, it's, you just can't get ahead. Okay, well, that's fine. But under those situations, there are still people out there that have been able to save $8,000 or more. So the question then becomes, okay, in this rigged society, in this society where you basically just can't get ahead and woe is me, in that type of society, how did those people still make the $8,000? Then that's what you need to focus on because it's possible. So how do, how do they happen? That's what you, so you, we would need to find those people and say, hey, in this society where everything is rigged against you and it, it, you know it's really hard to just get ahead, how did you get $8,000? Do you see the power of asking how? Because even if, now, if the best case scenario was nobody at all had $500, then that would be concerning because they're like, well, I don't know, is it even possible to have $500? But yeah, it's definitely possible and way more possible when you're looking at $8,000 or more. Americans age 65 and over are likely to have the most money set aside for unplanned expenses. Uh, well, yes, of course, that would make sense. 48% of people within the age group reporting having $8,000 or more emergency funds uh, versus uh, 20% of those 18 to 64. Nearly half of Americans, 49%, cited medical emergencies as a potential unexpected expense for them in the next 12 months, a finding with added, significant, a finding with, uh, with added significance given the level of national attention and political debate around the topic of healthcare in recent months, it added. Though wage growth has accelerated recently, those gains have been concentrated among the wealthiest Americans most. Well, yes, that's because there's this mathematical phenomenon out there called compounding interest. So yes, over time, earnings, wage growth are going to grow. So that's always what I find a little, a little backwards here is though wage growth. So here's one thing, the wealthiest Americans aren't paid through a job because, well, they create jobs, as in, if you wanna become one of the wealthiest Americans, you own a business, or you found a business at one point, or you are not depending on somebody else to pay you. So this whole thing, a little, I don't know, I don't quite understand what they're trying to say, because they start off arguing about wage growth accelerating, but those gains, as in those, is referring back to wages, and remember, wages come from like what somebody pays you, have been concentrated among the wealthiest Americans most. So, I mean, you, you can't have it both ways. 
Again, now if I start a business and I make a bunch of money because I, I solve a problem or I, I, I produce a service that people want, um, well then yes, I will get a bunch of money but then if I am wise with that money, once again, I'm not gonna turn this into a math podcast, but if you wanna do more research on compounding interest, go and research compounding interest because by definition, well yes, over time, my gains, if I invest that money, if I put that money to work, is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and it gets that much more rapid over time. The most probably used uh, way to illustrate this would be it's like a snowball. You just push the snowball down the hill and the longer it goes down the hill, the bigger and bigger it gets. So yes, that, that would make sense that there's always going to be an, an increase in wealth among the wealthiest Americans because of compounding interest. But um, to talk about wage growth and then the wealthiest Americans in the same exact sentence doesn't make much sense because that, that has nothing to do with wealthiest Americans because they don't even get a wage. So, but I'm glad to see that the wage growth has accelerated. In addition, research from the Federal Reserve found that nearly, uh, or excuse me, roughly four in 10 Americans couldn't afford a $400 emergency. So now this is a little conflicting because uh, we just had a, a good amount of people that had you know at least 500, but that's really scary. 40%, 40% couldn't afford a $400 emergency. So again, ask yourself, if all of a sudden, boom, today, as you were listening to this podcast and you had a $400 emergency, could you cover it? Once again, if you said, well, crap, no, I don't think I could. That's all right, at least you're admitting that's yourself, but now is the make or break part in your journey. Are you going to start to focus on how can I be able to afford a $400 emergency? The obvious question is, of course, well, yeah, I would need to, I would need to make sure to put $400 aside, which leads into the next, well, okay, well, how do I get that $400? What do I need to do? Do I need to cut some expenses? Do I need to maybe pick up a part-time job? Do I need to start a side hustle or something? And you know that that is up to you, but at least your brain and at least the wheels are turning to get that figured out. It said 41% would have to dip into savings, slightly less than the 44% in 2016, and 46% uh, and 50% in 2013. So that is definitely going down, which suggests that uh, you know people are, are are slowly getting worse off and worse off. Uh, but then you always read what what always crazy you know what well, I mean I, I kind of I'm saying this facetiously sarcastically but you have this trend of people getting less and less and less yet people are going high you see debt levels going higher and higher and higher well well yes when you when you continue to take on more debt because you need the new newest iPhone or you want to go buy some car that you can't really afford so you bring a a car payment into your life or you go and get some sort of massive college student loan for a degree that has no actual value. I mean, getting a degree in you know the, the Greek uh, art of you know uh, wood boxing. I mean, there, there's just not going to be any sort of uh, well, yes, of course. Over time, when these decisions continue to be made, that those savings are going to go down. Approximately 22% say they expect to forego payments on some of their bills, and nearly half of those who don't pay their bills also fail to pay off their credit card bills every month, racking up double-digit interest rates. So, I mean, again, what I just talked about, well, yeah, when you fail to pay off your credit card, that is the reverse of compounding interest. Compounding interest can work against you. In that case, where now all of a sudden your debt is getting bigger. 
and bigger and bigger, which is literally no, uh, you know, no dramatic effect here, the exact opposite of wealth building. And when you are not paying off your credit card, you are making somebody else, your credit card company, that much wealthier. And I, so just, you know, yeah, well, well, yes, when you, when you don't pay and you are just sitting there saying, well, you know, why does that number keep getting bigger and bigger? Well, because it's like that snowball that's rolling down the hill, except it's rolling down the hill and you're standing at the bottom of it and it's, it's about to run you over. Those are not the snowballs we want. We wanna be in the top of the hill and just we push and we just watch how big it gets. You don't wanna be at the bottom of the hill as that big old snowball rolls towards you. The Fed's 2018 report found that 70% of, 74% of adults reported they were doing at least okay financially the previous year, up 10 percentage points from the first survey in 2013. Short disruptions in pay can cause significant hardships as most Americans appear to be living paycheck to paycheck. Angela Fonte, Director of Behavioral and Economic Analysis and Decision Making. Wow. BEAD, that's abbreviated, program at NORC at the University of Chicago report said in the, uh, said in the report. The savings rate in the U.S. fell to 6.5% in March from a record high 8.8% in 2012. Um, so, I mean, that just makes sense given all the things we've talked about. The NORC study found that most workers would manage who, uh, let me, the NORC study found that most workers would manage a missed paycheck by cutting spending on non-essential items, 73%. What are those other 27% doing? I, what? I, 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 I don't, what is, okay, but, but the other methods consumers would employ to handle a gap in income could have serious long-term ravifications. So we're gonna find out. What, what is the other, because hopefully you would agree, well, yeah, if I, if I have a missed paycheck, then I need to cut my spending on non-essential items. Non, 73%. Like I said, I, I assume that would have been obvious, but 73% implies, again, that if you had four people standing in front of you, one of those people would be like, no, I'm not gonna cut non-essential items. Wait, what? So what would you do? Well, we're gonna about to find out. Around two in five consumers said they would stop putting money away in a savings, while more than a quarter reported that they would stop making retirement contributions. Arguably more concerning though is how many Americans would turn to debt. Almost half of households in this situation, 47% would turn to credit cards, while a similar share would borrow from friends or family. Now, I don't, maybe I'm missing something. It wouldn't be the first time in my life. I'm definitely not perfect. But are, are for this, are we saying that of this, you know, this people that don't cut non-essential items, because this is all from the NORC study, as far as I can am concerned. Maybe I'm wrong, but the way I'm reading this is that those people that are not part of the 73%, meaning they're saying, you know what, I'm just gonna cut non-essential items. So of the remaining 27%, some of them are going to pick non-essential items over their own savings, or they're going to pick non-essential items over making retirement contributions, as in savings for retirement, 
which again, as this article accurately says, uh, could have serious long-term ramifications. Yes, correct. If you just flat out stop making retirement uh, contributions because you want those non-essential items, this is a totally different article. This is a totally different talking point if that had said cut spending on essential items. Well, well yes, I, I would agree that if you have kids and you need to feed those kids, then yeah, you might need to stop temporarily putting money towards retirement. I mean, there's just no other way around that. But no, this says non-essential items. What if, if again, if you are somebody that's doing that, then first off, I congratulations. Admit that to yourself and I, I, I applaud you for admitting that to yourself. But please stop. Think about how irrational. Think about how just flat out greedy, how, I mean, that's just so, I mean, it's, it's actually kind of arrogant when you think about it. It's arrogant for you to say, you know what? Yeah, I missed a paycheck, but I still want that non-essential item. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and just not, re I'm just gonna not put any money towards re retirement so that I can continue to have or get this non-essential item. But then what was the other scary part? Almost half of Americans in this situation. So again, I am assuming, assuming, I'm assuming, um, you know, under the impression I'm reading this right, that quote unquote, this situation is that where you are missed a paycheck and you're in that 27% of people that would not cut spending on essential items. So half of people in this situation would turn to credit cards while a similar share would borrow from friends or family. Listen, I love my friends. I have great friends. I, um, I My friend circle is, is awesome. That's really all I can say about it. But if one of them came to me wanting to borrow money and then I find out that they're borrowing money from me so that they could use my money to pay for some non-essential item, don't get me, they're still gonna be my friend, but I'm going to tell them in a very loving and friendly and firm way, absolutely not, what are you doing? You can cut those non-essential spending like 73% of other people out there. Uh, it's time to join the 73% because that is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I would argue that it's already too way too much ridiculous to be foregoing retirement so that you can you can uh, continue with those non-essential items, but to actually introduce debt into your life for non-essential items when you are already in a financially precarious situation such as no savings and you missed the paycheck and yet you're still bringing in more debt into your situation. I can't believe this actually exists. So to know that it does exist, that's a very scary thing. That's that's a very sad thing. And here's the thing, it's 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 not sad because it's wow, that that's totally unavoidable. No, it's totally avoidable. Those people could be cutting spending on non-essential items. But no, it's sad because it's so freaking pathetic and arrogant and ignorant on their part. Talk about the phenomenon of you gotta keep up with the Joneses. I gotta keep my materialistic stuff. That again, to use their wording, not mine, non-essential items. Are you serious? This is absolutely bizarre in a really crazy type of way. I mean, the more I think about it, could you, I mean, can, are you serious that people out there would go to their friends and family to borrow money and that money is being used for non-essential items, non-essential payments? Wait, what? 
no no wonder why I fully agree when they say, yeah, don't mix money and family. Don't be. I mean, if that's what it's for, yeah, no kidding. That's great advice. Honestly, though, I I, I don't know. Maybe I thought about, but I I don't know if I'd ever thrown the situation out there where, yeah, you know, things are getting rough. But instead of cutting spending on non-essential items, you go and behave in this manner. But turning to debt, at least with a credit card, it's like it's kind of like it's faceless. It's just a piece of plastic, and you look at it as well. That's Visa or Mastercard or Discovery or you know, well that's AM or uh, you know uh, American Express or you know. But I mean, when you assign a face to it, like okay, I'm borrowing money from this friend or that fan. Ah, oh, that's crazy. And then finishing this up here. And nearly a fifth of consumers would rely on a payday, auto, or short-term loan. These loans, which carry interest rates upward of 600%, can easily sink borrowers into an inescapable debt cycle and wreak havoc on their credit score. Um, so, I mean, assuming I'm reading all this right, if you're literally willing to pay something, one of these payday loans or something that can, as uh, <clears throat> the author very accurately states, uh, can send you into an inescapable debt cycle um, because you don't want to cut non-essential items, uh, I, I, you got work to do. You got a you got a big old mindset thing to switch across and switch over, and uh, that's. That's a very scary place, and that's something that you uh, definitely don't want to uh, to be getting involved in. But uh, so, bringing this back to where I started things off, you know, where do you stand in regards to all this? How are you doing in regards to some sort of if you were to miss a paycheck? So, what if you go into work today or whatever, and somebody says, you know, what? you don't get a paycheck, you're gonna miss a paycheck. Maybe you're gonna miss two paychecks. How does that look for you? Would you be okay, or would you have to do one of these situations? Hopefully, at at the least, you're like, well, I would have to start to cut some of the non-essential items. I really hope your definition or your solution is not, well, you know, I'd have to go to a payday loan, or I'd have to go and borrow money. I'd have to bring debt into the situation because I'm not willing to cut the non-essential items. So at least a baby step here, step number one of of, of multiple steps here, but at least step number one. Hopefully, you're in the in the mindset. You're in the 73% that would just cut spending on non-essential items. Because if you're in the 27%, then like I said, it, it's time to wake up. It, it's time to, quite frankly, grow up. Because that is the, you know, that, that's a, how a child would act. Is say, no, no, I still want that. And I want it so much, it's time for some more debt. That's insanity. It, it really is. But ask yourself, kind of role play, okay? If I miss the paycheck, if I miss paychecks, could I handle that? What would I do? Where would that money come from? And it's a great thought exercise to kind of introduce reality in your situation. And I'm gonna end with this because I started with it. No judgments on my part. If you're saying, well, oh, wow, that would be really brutal. That would, I, I, I don't, you know, my, my solution would not be really wise now that I really stop and, and think about it. And that's sometimes all it takes is just to really actually stop and think because we can have general ideas of things but you know it's a general idea. But when you start to actually narrow down and kind of role play with yourself a little bit, uh, in many cases, especially for me, I have this all the time. You're like, oh wow, that general idea had a lot of holes in it. It wasn't quite as solid as what I thought it would be. 
So maybe in general, you think, oh yeah, one paycheck's no big deal, two paychecks. But ask yourself, all right, well, if you literally missed one paycheck, two paychecks, and then walk yourself through that situation and see how you would do. And if you you know, end at the conclusion, wow, my general idea wasn't as strong as I thought, hey, I applaud you. I judge you in the sense of, well done, good. Way to take it serious, and now you're gonna be putting yourself on the pathway to doing whatever needs to be done to put you in the spot uh, that you need to be. Uh, so just get out there, be realistic with yourself, and make sure that uh, you know you build up, you have a plan of action to be able to have savings and then continue to grow that savings uh, because there's a reason why the wealthier get wealthier, and it's all about compounding interest, but you can't take advantage of that compounding interest unless you start to have savings and such in the first place. So that's why focusing on those things really, really is important. So yeah, totally not what I wanted to do today, uh, as I said earlier, but uh, this was a great article, and yeah, it felt good to rant and rave about those people that w- would choose debt over just cutting non-essential items, but like I said, I hope you're part of the 73%, but if you're not, yeah, definitely part time to at least get part of the 73% and then go that much more. So hopefully you enjoyed today's episode and I will see you back next week. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating, that goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there and I I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the Slab Money Method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off $163,000 of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, moneywithclay.com and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works, it truly does. And I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one year money back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.